Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. The the poeticness of that image resonates with me since I, I love the beach. And I carry a little jar of sand with me wherever I go. No, that's not true, but I mean... I do, I do love the beach. And this is just a small jar of sand. And if I attempted to count every grain of sand in this little jar, even if I just took a spoonful out of this jar and tried to count every grain of sand, I, I, it would take me a, a long while. How vast are the thoughts of God? That the sum of them are like the grains of sand. Now, I want you to stretch your imagination a little bit with me. This is just a small jar of sand. Imagine now all the sand that exists on this planet. In every desert, on every beach, In every sandbox, in every little jar of sand, imagine how many grains of sand there are on the face of this planet. Now think about the thoughts of God towards you. Now we know in our solar system that we're not the only planet that has sand on it. We have little rover things running around on Mars right now. There's lots of sand on Mars. Now imagine there are probably countless planets in this vast universe of us that contain some kind of form of sand. Are you getting a picture of how vast the sum of the thoughts of God, how limitless the thoughts of God are towards you this morning? Every bit of grain of sand has come from something bigger. A rock of older... A shell. Something bigger has each piece of sand was once. Each grain of sand has a story. It went through something to become a piece of sand. Severe weather. Years of weather. Erosion. Tumbling down from mountainsides. Being overcome by water. Each grain of sand has a story. And God knows how each grain of sand was made. So not only does he know how many grains of sand exist in the universe, he knows how each grain of sand was made. Do you think he's interested in your story this morning? How you've gotten to this place today. And I think there is a 
there was a message in it, a little small jar of sand that that we need to understand the limitlessness of God and just his thoughts towards us. That this great mind of God continuously thinks about you and I. Says Jeremiah, what my uh, I know what my thoughts are towards you. I'm for good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Let's pray. Father, we are uh, overwhelmed by your great mercy towards us. And we can't, it's hard for us to even imagine how many thoughts you have towards us. Towards your, your sons and daughters. Thank you for committing such resources to us. Thank you for your thoughts. For good, not for evil. Now we're in your presence because we need you. And we proclaim our need of you this morning. To hear your words, your thoughts, to understand your heart a little bit more. What we pray for is a bigger view of who you are this morning. A more expansive view of how limitless you are. And we can't do that without the Holy Spirit coming in and illuminating our hearts and our minds and our understanding and stretching all that, that we are in order to begin to get a glimpse of who you are this morning. But this is what we ask for because we so desperately need you. So, I follow, I, so Father, I ask that you would, you would speak only your words through me this morning that I would correctly interpret your word so that we can all receive from it. Ah, we want everything that's, everything that's done and everything that's said to bring glory to your name. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week, I said this. Sometimes my people distrust their faith and become a mouthpiece for doubt. It was a word that was meant to challenge us, to make us consider the multiple reasons why we sometimes feel like we can't rely on God. And because we're, we struggle with that sometimes, we actually begin to pronounce things over ourselves. Unhealthy things. Ungodly things. Things that don't line up with His Word. If you remember, the slang word for for a mouthpiece, was a lawyer that would defend criminals. And I think that sometimes we, some of the things we say about ourselves are actually very criminal. They're harmful. And so God was kind of giving us a challenge to look at, it's more than just having doubts, because we all do. It's what we allow those doubts to do to our faith. And what we choose to believe instead of the truth. And then to be careful about what we pronounce over ourselves, what we say to ourselves, and really what we say to each other as well. Now I want you to know that I, I did check this word with Wes Clemmer, one of our oversight team, and with a couple of other people who I, who I know have a prophetic gift. Just wanted to make sure that I had covering for that, and, and also with Mike and Patty as well. But the overall sense was this, this, was a, this indeed was a word for us. God is trying to get at something so that we understand that what we believe about him is essential 
to what we say about ourselves. Because our faith, never what I said last week, I said, I will act out of what I believe. And so there's a sense that God is trying to get us to understand that in a, in a new level. Because some of our actions, some of our beliefs, he needs to clear up for us. You know, in, in a good way. So I'm going to dive in a little bit more farther to that. Because that word caused, the, caused quite a few questions. The questions I got, I tried to, to morph into one question. And here's the question. When my prayers are answered differently than I expect, then how do I trust God? It's a really huge question, isn't it? Really important. Because we are talking about a limitless God, right? We've been talking about a, a God without limits. A God who even says in his word, ask anything in my son's name and I will do it for you. So when I read that scripture, I, I can imagine huge, wonderful prayer request. After all, my God is limitless, so why should I limit my prayers? Right? I don't think we can, we can quite get this understanding here that if God is unlimited, He's uncontrollable, He's unboxable, and we can ask anything in His name, what can we expect from Him then? When our prayers are not answered the way we want them to be. It causes quite a dilemma, doesn't it? In our spirit, in our thinking, in our faith. And here I think is the, it's not a problem, here's the challenge. I think the truth is that we are, we are often unprepared for the answers of God. Because sometimes, the answers don't really look like answers, do they? At least not the answers that we like. Sometimes the answers do cause disappointment. Sometimes they do confuse us. Sometimes, here's this, get this. Sometimes our answers to our prayers uncover sin and reveal deep fears. And I start to think, oh, wait a minute, I wasn't even praying that, God. And it, you answered in a way I wasn't expected. And I understand that could lead to all kinds of feelings and emotions and, and wonderings about how was that answer even connected to the prayer I just prayed. For example, in Luke 17, the, the disciples say, increase our faith. Right? So we might even find ourselves praying that prayer at times. Have you ever, you don't have to raise your hands, but have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, increase our faith. Are you surprised when you are put in challenging, difficult situations that you have to rely totally on God and, and not lean on your own understanding? And then you find your own concepts of what you think is best is, does not line up with God's will and, and you are challenged in your faith? Are you surprised when that happens? When you pray, Lord, increase my faith? Because sometimes I don't think we're prepared for the answers. It's mind-blowing that God answers prayers according to our need and not our wants and our desires. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? Because our wants and our desires and even our requirements are part of what we need, yes. Absolutely. But it's God's understanding of what we need that he answers out of. Because God knows us best. We Think too small. We really think too limited. As if God can only move in certain ways, in certain directions, 
and they're all according to man-made thinking or man-made theology. And never we try to build a box that we think God can move in, and that's the only way that God can move. And if he moves outside of that box, that's where we get disappointed. That's where we can get confused. Because we're thinking of this in a very limited, very human mindset. And I realize that's, that's all we got to work with. I understand that we're, we're human. And this is all we got to work with. But, but the, what we're going to see in just a little bit, how God takes that humanness and, and does something to it so that we can see that in, in, a, in a much bigger, see God in a much bigger way. So I want, I want to stretch our, our limited view this morning and, and look at some more ways that God is limitless. Because we, we do think too small at times. And we, and we need to think bigger. We need to think beyond our limited view of who God is. Psalm 147.5 says this, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Hebrew word for abundant there means means to be abundant in quantity, in size, in age, in number, in rank, and quality. And all of that, all that abundance is beyond measure. Psalm 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. Nothing or no one is left out. He has covered it all. The opportunity to experience his goodness is limitless limitless i got more i got more psalm 31:19 says oh how abundant is the same meaning hebrew meaning is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you do you realize that his abundance works for you it's on your side Work for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind, in, in, in sight of the whole world. These are powerful truths. God has unlimited power, unlimited understanding, unlimited love and mercy, and all speak to his unlimited goodness. God is good, period. God is not sometimes good. God is not good when he answers my prayers the way I want them to be answered. God is just good, period. And here's a big thing. God's goodness does not depend on my opinion. And if it doesn't depend on my opinion, guess what? It doesn't depend on your opinion either. It just doesn't. It depends on his word. It depends on who he says he is. And the fact that he is good. He's abundant in it. He's overwhelmingly abundant in it. And this is what has kept me over my years. Is his goodness. Through the dark years of abuse, it was God's goodness that kept me. When we lost two babies to miscarriages... Dark, horrible times there were, but it was God's goodness that got us through it. When Christine had her, her heart attack almost 10 years ago, it was his goodness that got us through that. And now for the, the past four plus years of 
her battle with cancer is God's goodness that is keeping us. He is good. Period. The situation's not good. I absolutely wish, pray, hope, desire, trust that my wife will be healed. I long for it daily that that tumor would be removed from her leg. That she would not have to deal with any of it. I long for it. I'm human. I have struggles with faith and doubt. But I expect God to answer that prayer according to his word and nothing else. I trust in his goodness and that he will act out of that goodness. Because he is good, I expect the answer to my prayers about Christine to be a good one. But I'm going to allow God to define what good looks like. I'm not going to trust my understanding of what good is. I'm not going to impose my definition of good onto the Father. I'm going to trust in his goodness. I'm going to trust what his word says about healing, what his word and all his promises, because they're good. But I'm going to allow God to define what that looks like. I'm going to pray bold prayers for my wife's healing. I'm not going to stop. But I'm going to trust in the goodness of God. I'm not contradicting myself here. See, I trust God to heal my wife. Because he's good. I'm going to trust him with the answer to that prayer because he's good. Am I making that clear? It doesn't matter what my opinion of goodness is. It only matters what his word says. If I only trust, have faith, have belief, when his definition lines up with mine, I am going to be hugely disappointed. That's why I don't want to trust in my definition. I want to trust in his, because his never disappoints me. It's when my, my opinion gets mixed up in there is where I get disappointed. Where I struggle. Where I doubt. Proverbs 3, 5 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That word trust means to have bold, confident, secure, sureness. Because conditional trust is no trust at all. And why should I trust in my own understanding when it's so limited? I, I say this every day. Every day I say this. I choose to trust in your goodness. Because when I don't, that's when I have trouble with my faith. And my mouth speaks things that it shouldn't. And my mind thinks things that it shouldn't. And doubts and fears are normal human experiences, but they do not have to control us. We're going to experience them. We're going to wrestle with them. And they don't make us bad. They just make us human. But when they start to control the way we behave, the way we think about God, the way we think about ourselves, and the way that we think about each other, then we have an issue. 
and we're going to struggle. And it's really faith 101. So back to the question. What can we expect from God when he doesn't answer the prayers the way I expected him to? Turn to the book of Ephesians 3. And I'll answer the question while you're going there. What can we expect? We can always expect God's best. We can always expect God's best. We just have to look for it in unexpected ways. And that's where faith comes in. So I had you read Ephesians 3 and dive into it. Did you see anything outrageously cool? In Ephesians 3, it says, May have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of his love. Into 3.19. That word, comprehend, actually can also be seize, take hold of. To, it's, it's more aggressive than just have an understanding, but to actually grab hold of this knowledge. You just preached part of my sermon, so that part I don't have to go over. That there are unsearchable riches in Christ. So if they're unsearchable, then they're beyond the scope of our capability to even begin to know how rich, mm. how many riches are really there. So it's beyond our imagination to be able to even be able to grasp it. Amen. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to his, the riches of his glory, that he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask and think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That is a huge prayer of Paul's. And I want to take this apart. You guys just unpacked it a little bit. But I want to take it apart a little bit further. So starting in verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, that he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Patty tested on this, but first of all, his, his kingdom resources don't depend on ours. It doesn't really matter what we bring to the table. His riches... His resources. It's all about what He supplies. What He gives. And it's a limitless supply. And He wants us to understand here that it doesn't depend on anything that we could try to muster up. It's going to be depending on His resources. And that brings me great comfort. And this truth is echoed in Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need. Not some needs, 
Not a few needs. Every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, it's this word supply that I want us to kind of center on. Because this word in the Greek means to make full, to fill up, to cram in, in order to level up. The picture is that someone has a lack. And they're below a certain level. And they don't have the resources or the power or the strength to get to this level. But God's riches do that for us. They level us up. God crams in everything that we need in order to get to the level that we can't possibly get to on our own. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty generous. That's pretty merciful of God to be able to do that. That he sees what we lack... And not only sees what we lack, he sees that we don't have the resources, the strength, the ability to get to that level. So he's going to cram in everything that he possibly can in order to to level us up. Ah, That's extremely kind of God. So this prayer for a divine transmission of power into the lives of those who follow Jesus. Our inner man, our soul, our mind, our spirit, spirit is strengthened. That word strengthened means increase vigor. Increase might. He does this by the Holy Spirit with power. And that word power is the Greek word dominus, which means miracle-making power. It's where we get the word dynamite from. We get dynamite power within us by the Holy Spirit. Miracle-working power in us. Now, who is with us today? Who is present here? His Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit gives us miracle-producing power in us, then what should we be able to walk in? It's not a trick question. Just saying. Miracle-working power. So this is a generous God. And he wants us to understand something here. That our inner being, our heart, our soul, and our mind can walk in this miracle-producing power. Again, are we there? <laughs> no, not yet. There's something they're still trying to unlock in us, and I think there's. And I think that Paul's prayer has it, and I, and I hope we can see more of it today. So let's let's continue on. Verse 17. Because our inner man is being, it's rich and empowered. Think about that phrase. Our inner man is wealthy with power. Think about that. But it's also being prepared. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell, that means to permanently live. Always present. In your hearts, through faith. The word faith here means moral conviction and reliance. That you might be rooted and grounded. The word rooted means to be established, and the word grounded means to have a strong foundation, a firm foundation. So Christ may dwell permanently, always be present in your hearts through faith, through the moral conviction and reliance on that truth, that you might be rooted and grounded, established and firm in love. This is another mind-blowing thing here. There is a God who is fully God in every corner of this universe. He is majestic. He is powerful. He is limitless. He is beyond measure. 
He is unboxable. And yet he chooses to reside in a human heart. That's enough to blow your mind for a long time. If you just really want to kind of think about that. That this this all-powerful God would choose this to be his vessel to live in. And to empower. Our faith in this, this verse says, convinces us that God doesn't desert us or leave us as orphans. That he is with us permanently. So we become rooted, established and firm, and grounded. People with a strong foundation. We become sons and daughters who are strong, firm, able to stand and understand who they are in Christ. This verse is mirrored in uh, uh, Psalm seventy-three twenty-six, where it says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When, when our heart belongs to God, we are empowered to live for him. This is really what this is saying. We, we can't help but live with him because he's inside of us, giving us the strength and the power not only to stand but to live and flourish because that's what roots do. They go in to, to bring nourishment. This is, this is powerful stuff. If we can get this into our brain cells, into our spirit, and then walk it out. Verse 18, and this is where Joe touched on, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth God gives us miraculous power to figure things out, to comprehend things, to grab hold of things with a fierceness. This, this is, like Joe said, this is aggressive comprehension. So it's okay to exercise our mind, to exercise our intellect, exercise our reasoning. But God's going to empower that so that we can lay hold of and fiercely grasp the truth. In a way that we don't let go of it. You see that? See that? That word also means the power to overcome a stronger foe. Powerful stuff. This is how much God wants us to understand him. That he's willing to give us the strength to understand him. To, to illuminate our mind. This, this limited thing that... Well, mine's probably more limited than yours. But I mean, this, this limited gray matter up here that has only so much thinking capacity is increased so that I can understand the mind of Christ. How generous of God to do that for us. God doesn't insult our intelligence. He tells us he raises it. This is the beauty of God who speaks to the whole man. Mind, soul, body. Oh, I don't know about you. I'm excited, but okay. I'm excited. This is pretty cool stuff. We need God's strength to understand, to understand how multidimensional his love is so that we can understand the height, the depth, the width, and the length of God's love. We need his power because otherwise it just blows our minds so much. So he helps us understand God's love because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And remember it says that the Holy Spirit leads us to what? All truth. Paul's prayer is, is showing us something here that should just excite us to no end. God gives us power to discern his love. Verse 19, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. 
I'll just let that hang there for a minute. Praying to a limitless God doesn't mean we get anything we want. But it does mean we get all of Him. And that changes everything. That changes everything. Doesn't that change the way you want to pray? Doesn't that want to change the way you pray this morning? We can know. That word know means intimately know. To intimately know. No barriers. Nothing in between. And no shame. That we can know this so intimately that we can know the love, the agape love that surpasses. That word surpasses means to throw beyond, to overshoot the mark, to go farther than you have ever gone before. See, that knowing Christ surpasses our human understanding. Like what Patty was saying too. Because I don't know about you, but I need to go beyond my human understanding about this. Because I am limited. And that's no shame of saying that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. But I am limited. And I need a limitless God. And that there is no shame of saying that. Knowing the love of Christ goes beyond anything we could figure out. This is deep, core level, and inner man knowing. And the wonderful beauty of all this is that his love is cramming in something outrageously generous, if you think about it. He is cramming in himself. That's amazing. That God would be willing to cram all he could into us. We get to be filled with the fullness, the limited abundance of God. And God is showing us the way to that fullness in these verses. Paul prays that our God would strengthen us, that Jesus would dwell in us, that we might be rooted and grounded in love, that we might have power to seize the full height, the depth, the length, the width of that love. Paul prays that we would intimately experience and know this love, and this all leads to the fullness of God in our lives. And all I can say is wait that there is more. There's more. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power, again, miracle power, at work within us. This is saying no matter how bold our prayers are, that God can do all we ask and think and beyond. And beyond. Because he is limitless. Now far more abundantly is pretty far. The phrase means beyond. It means superior. And that word abundantly here is means super abundant. Super abundant. It's the same word that Jesus used when he says, you know, the enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. It's the same word there, super abundant life. This is the promise of the fullness of God in us to give us super abundant, far beyond what we can understand, far before what we can ask and think, because he is limitless. But beyond this, Greek meaning of this word, I think we need a better understanding 
or maybe a less American concept of what abundant means. Paul Grimson, who is one of the directors for a group that we support called Hope for Change, and his, uh, he goes to the Philippines and works with the uh, poor people, and most of them live on the garbage dumps over there. So I asked him this question this week. I said, Paul, I said, what do you think, the people that live on the garbage dumps, garbage dumps what would they think is abundant in their lives? What would, what would abundant look like for them? He said, most likely if they had more than one day of food to eat, if they had leftovers, that would be abundant to them. Kind of makes you think, right? I want God to do super abundant things in my life. But I think I need his definition of what abundant means. I think I, I need to lose my American sense of what abundant really means. We have to let God define what abundant means for us. That's the power. That's the purpose of the power at work within us. The power that makes us more like Jesus. According to the power at work in us. Who is working in us? Yep. You could have said that louder. It's okay. Wouldn't have scared me. Who's working in us? Are you sure? Okay. God is working at us. He's conforming us. He's transforming us. He's empowering us. He's sanctifying us. Bold prayers come from this place. From the work that's in us. See, if they come from another place, my idea of what abundant means, my idea of what good means, my idea of what anything means, my definitions only, they're not going to be very bold and they're not going to be very powerful prayers. But they come from a place where God is at work in me, where he's conforming me, transforming me, renewing me. Those prayers are going to be really powerful. Why? Because they're from the Holy Spirit. See, we pray from a place of strength, not a place of weakness. That's... That's how we pray bold prayers, where we're praying from a, where we realize that we're actually praying from a place of strength because of what's at work in us. That's where bold prayers come from. If they come just from my, my need, they're not going to be very bold, although they might sound that way. I liken that kind of idea as to like buying a lottery ticket and hoping I win. I don't really believe I'm going to win it. But you got to be in it to win it. If I pray that way, I'm going to get disappointed. But if I pray from the place where God is at work in my heart, my spirit, my mind, I'm going to pray bold, outrageous prayers because they're going to be aligned with whose will? His, not mine. Even though our will might agree at times, I still want his will. I want to pray from his will, his viewpoint, his understanding. Because my prayers are going to be more bold. Now, verse 20. All that we ask. The, word, uh, the Greek word for ask means to all we crave and desire and require. Or think. Exercise the mind. Ponder. So it's not just the things that we put into words, but the times when the words fail us. When we have anxious thoughts. Doubts. He is still able. Because I trust in his goodness and I made that big, bold statement before doesn't mean I'm any less human. I have a lot of sleepless nights. There are nights 
that I check and see if my wife is still breathing. And that's from the heart attack almost 10 years ago. It's not it had anything to do with the cancer because it was that night when it happened. I still have doubts. I still have fears. But what I choose 99.9% of the time, maybe 75% of the time, sometimes we put more faith in our doubt than we do in our faith. Having doubts is not wrong. Having fears is not wrong. Struggling like a human being is not wrong. It's why we need a Savior. It's why we need a God. It's why we need a Redeemer. It's why we need someone that comes alongside of us to show us the truth so that we can believe it. But it's our choice whether or not we're going to believe the fears or we're going to believe the truth of who God is. When we choose the truth, He begins to work in our heart, our mind, our spirit. And our perspective goes up and we see things differently. When I choose doubt, I will go down a path of fear and doubt and worry and anxiety and I will get lost there because I'm not looking at truth. I'm looking at facts. I'm just not looking at truth. So I'm still human during the struggle and I can't stop being human. I don't have to let them control me either. James 1 6 says, But him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. But the word doubt there means to withdraw. God knows we doubt. God's not upset that we doubt. He just doesn't want us to run away from him. He wants us to come towards him when we doubt. Come closer so he can help us out of the waters and see what he's up to. But we can't do that if we're walking away from him. And that's what doubt does. So the things that we ask or think about have a greater purpose than what we can imagine. And that's verse 21. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. My life, your life, and our life together is meant to bring God glory. He's invested the riches of his glory. Wow. The limitless resources of his kingdom into this plan. And guess what? His answers fit into that plan. And not mine. I think my plans are noble. I think my plans are great. But they're limited. God's plans and purposes are limitless. So when we, we are being filled with the fullness of God himself, and I'll ask this again, don't you think that should change the way we pray? And shouldn't it change the things that we pray about? And it shouldn't that change what we expect from God? If we have the fullness of God in us, that God is trying to deposit every day into our lives, and we can know him intimately, then I already understand that he has my best interests in mind. So I can pray from that place. I can trust that my prayers will be answered according to his riches and glory.